0: Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. It's once again a pleasure to be with you and we are welcoming back to the show a familiar name across the city of Memphis as well as any city that had a very exciting draft night. His name is Richard Stamen, known as Mavs Draft, now Magic Draft, on Twitter. He's been kind enough to join us. Richard, how are you today, sir?
1: Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I uh, appreciate you shouting out the Magic Draft because I think that's starting to become the more relevant team in my name.
0: <laughs> I can certainly understand that. In general, the great work that Richard does, you've seen him across many different uh, Locked On podcasts. Obviously, he's been you know, frequently on you know the Grizzlies podcasts around the city when it comes to discussing um, the young players that the Grizzlies were looking at when it came to the draft. And we've talked with him about Santi Aldama as well as... Zaire Williams. Today, we're going to talk a bit more with him about some older players that are going to be stepping into new situations and bigger roles. You can find myself at Stats Sec on Twitter. Also, find all the show's content there. You can find Rich at Mavs Draft on Twitter as well. Find both Locked On, Locked On NBA Draft, and Locked On Grizzlies on the Locked On Podcast Network wherever podcasts are. So, Rich, let's get right into it. Uh, obviously, it's been an exciting month of March. The Grizzlies have had the summer league as well as some trade acquisitions that I want to get your thoughts on. We'll get into those acquisitions in just a second. But the first thing I want to talk with you about, we discussed the Grizzlies Summer League and what really stood out about the Grizzlies Summer League. They didn't have a traditional point guard really, on the roster. They relied on the playmaking ability of Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman. Let's start with Desmond Bain. There was some exciting pick and roll ball handling potential from him coming out of college. You saw very little of it in his rookie season. But from what you saw in the summer league and what you scouted about him from college, is he someone that the Grizzlies should rely on to be a a valuable source of playmaking this upcoming season?
1: Yeah, so he's not a point guard by any means. Like That that is not what he should be. But what he should be is, and this is what he was at TCU in his final year, and there were flashes of it the previous two years as a sophomore and junior. But at TCU, he ran the offense a good amount, and he was capable in running pick and rolls. He had a really good role man in Kevin Samuel there. And he just knows how to manipulate defenses so well that even though his handle isn't great and he's not going to break you down one-on-one, he gets – you know, whether it's him or his role man or the spot-up shooters, the open looks they need to hit good shots. So I, I would like to see it a little bit more in his sophomore season where he is running some more play sets and initiating the offense because he can just make so many quick reads at such a high level.
0: And Richard, let's, let's dive a little bit more into the first part of what you just mentioned. You know, we're talking about Point guards and, 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 you know, shooting guards, things like that. That's the traditional way of looking at these players. But in general, you said he's not a point guard by any means, but he does have some playmaking potential. What separates that for you? Is it the fact that when you say he's probably not someone you can consider a point guard for even a few minutes in a game, he just doesn't have the ball handling ability? He doesn't have the consistent ability to really set up an offense. Is that what you're meaning by it? Like, I, I, I guess it's kind of hard for me to ask this. This question you've got your point guard in John Morant but do you consider the fact that Bang like doesn't bring the ball up the court or can't truly initiate an offense on a consistent basis is that what you mean by saying he's not a point guard and is more a secondary playmaker
1: kind of so I actually do think he is very capable of bringing the ball up before I think his best passing overall came actually from transition that was from at least college and I think he can do that again in the NBA he just has perfect passing touches on out the passes can make quick reads and transition so I think he actually can do that. It's more about just the, the ball handling ability and breaking guys down one on one after getting a switch, and what he does after getting a switch out of pick and roll, things like that. And then also he's just not a huge threat to get to the rim. So his playmaking is almost—I I don't want to say one-dimensional because it's not—but he's only going to do a couple of things, right? He can't burn you in a variety of ways. It's going to pretty much be—he's going to find a spot up shooter or he's going to find the roll man. It's—it's it's really not much in between. Not that it's a knock because he does so much good on the floor, like. That's just the playmaking kind of ups and downs.
0: So that's what said, and I'm not drilling you with this, just trying to question your assessment of what separates the two, but want to get from a knowledgeable source as yourself. When you consider someone to be a true point guard, it's the fact that they have so many different ways with the ball in their hands, they can impact the game. Their ball handling can create a difference. Their passing can create a difference. Setting up plays, getting to the rim, shooting down the shot, creating their own shot. It's the resourcefulness with the ball in their hands that really defines a point guard for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's honestly the perfect way to say it. Understood, And so that's
0: the thing that stood out is that you didn't have that traditional source in summer league. So the Grizzlies had some non-traditional sources that really stood out. So Bain, obviously his playmaking is something that certainly could take a step forward in year two, but the most impressive playmaker for me from this summer league was Xavier Tillman, especially in Vegas, his first two games, the only games he played in Vegas, seven assists. And he literally was playing point center, kind of like a mini Jokic and obviously not to that level but he was playing full point guard duties setting up the offense making the right passes that certainly does fall in line with his calling card from college I would venture to say he's been one of the better passing big man that's coming to the league out of college over the past few years
1: yeah I mean he was even running pick and roll as the ball handler like he, he never really seemed like advanced to me at Michigan State but I think it was almost hidden I do think he has really good vision and to manipulate finding cutters especially I think that's probably his best passing tool but it was really fun to see him run the pick and roll like as a big man because he he even had some really fun plays in Va- or, uh, excuse me I think it was Salt Lake City where he was just leading the offense in transition like he would he didn't pass it to the nearest guard he was like you know what I'll just do it myself because that's the freedom that comes with summer week.
0: Yeah, th- there was. I can't remember if he was the finisher or if he was the uh, ball handler, but there was one instance in which he led a fast break and then an alley oop to Killy and Tilly. Yep. I can't remember which yep. one it was, but yeah, yeah. but that's. That certainly stood out. And then the thing, though, is, is that I think, though, that the Grizzlies are starting to want to really emphasize that, and as far as their young players go, they're wanting to get the playmaking from sources that could do other things. And that's starting to become a little bit more apparent when it comes to really looking at these draft, Looking at these drafts, you have a player like Tyus Jones, who the Grizzlies have been rumored to be – It had been rumored to be shopping during the draft. We thought maybe that these latest trades could lead to Tyus Jones being traded as well. With Tyus Jones, you have the traditional point guard excellent historic efficiency when it comes to passing, but you just don't have anything else. In today's game, you really do as an NBA team, you want to have that playmaking come from players that could do other things instead of just having that traditional source where the only thing he really can do is pass the basketball and set up offenses. Is that that an assessment? Are those type of point guards kind of losing value in today's game?
1: Yeah, I mean, those, I feel like you need someone like that in every team. I mean, I was actually a pretty, I was pretty down on Ty Jones for most of the season. And then I saw what he did this year and like that, obviously the three point shooting would have been nice, but having 0.7 turnovers per game to 3.7 assists, it's just absolutely ridiculous and getting even 3.7 assists in 17 and a half minutes. So I, I do think you need some blend of especially like off the bench because right because Tyus I don't think started really many games this year you need that you need them to complement each other like Desmond Bain and Tyus Jones have a lot of potential on and off each other for example where they can easily both kind of run some offense in different ways like I think the way they run offense just provides so much and they can play off each other as Tyus isn't the shooter Desmond is and you know some other areas offensively and scoring where Desmond lacks and Tyus has strengths
0: it certainly would be nice to see, especially with Grayson Allen now, now in Milwaukee, if Tyus Jones can get back to the shooting that he had in his first season in Memphis, the 1920 season, that certainly would be a great development. So obviously we know what we have in Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman, also Tyus Jones. But what about what we've gained in the acquisitions of Jarrett Culver, Sam Merrill, and a few others that have come in trades? Coming up, I'm going to talk with, a little bit more about, with Richard about some recent names the Grizzlies have acquired and maybe which ones really stand out as having a potential future in Memphis. Summer is here for all of us, and for many of us, that means good things, right? Cookouts, outdoors by the pool, times with friends and family, just being out in the sunny skies and the warm weather. But for a few of us, such as myself, it could mean embarrassing situations. You know, you have work presentations, formal events, dates, weddings, whatever it may be. You find yourself wearing, you know, a good amount of clothes, you wind up with the heat rising, excessively sweating. It could set up a A bad situation when it comes to body odor. It's a situation nobody wants to experience. Well, if you're someone who has experienced that before, I've got the perfect setup for you, and that's Sweat Block Wipes. Sweat Block Wipes is a great product. Doctor created and doctor recommended. Works for up to seven days. There's a dry shirt guarantee. If Sweat Block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. Featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by firefighters, bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 13,000 reviews. This is your little secret to confidence that will allow for you to once again wear what you want to wear. It's a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag. No matter the event that you may be attending, Sweat Block Wipes will, will allow for you to attend it with confidence. If you or someone you know are dealing with the potential for an embarrassing situation due to excessive sweat, you have to check out Sweat Block. Either go to Amazon or CVS to check it out there, or if you go to sweatblock.com right now and you use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order of Sweat Block. Get your confidence back today. Check out Sweat Block Wipes. Don't let the stress of of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to get through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically collaborated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It it gets to the source of the pain by relaxing tension, using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, and injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova and hundreds of thousands of customers. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199 Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your gin 4 Theragun today that's therabody.com slash locked on, therabody.com slash locked on. So, Richard, you um, obviously saw the trades that have occurred over the past few days when it comes to the Grizzlies. And as a matter of fact, over the past week, and despite Rajon Rondo and Juancho Hernan Gomez, the Grizzlies have acquired three talents that have been drafted over the past two years that really stick out as you know having potential in different ways, but do they really fit in Memphis? That is kind of a question that's going to be answered here over the pa- over the next few months. The one that certainly does stand out is Jarrett Culver. I think that he's the one of these three that the Grizzlies, in my opinion, had as part of their end game. He was the guy they wanted to make a play for to bring into the fold. You yourself mentioned, from what you learned during your draft assessments of him, he was a player Memphis had interest in. When it comes to Jarrett Culver arriving in Memphis, what are your overall thoughts on the acquisition?
1: Yeah, so to kind of feed off of that interest, a lot of what I was basing that off of is the fact that Memphis was the first team, I think I, I want to say they were the first team to hire a bunch of people off of draft Twitter, like in more than just like one person, they, they hired several people. And the commonality all of them had was they all loved Jared Culver. Like he was the draft Twitter darling in 2019, him and Grant Williams were the two. And right now, as a member of draft Twitter, I'm not really hyping up our community by those two guys um, who just have not lived up to the expectations they were built with from draft Twitter. But Draft Twitter, loved those guys. I mean, Culver, personally, I didn't. I was lower on him. I still put him six because I just kind of gave in and said, hey, these people are smart and they like him. But I I do think Culver's best landing spot was Memphis. In Minnesota, they put him as a wing, and I think that there was a lot of promise with that idea, but it just couldn't be pulled off right. So I'm actually really intrigued by what Culver could be, even though I think it's going to be a very low-end role, especially this year. I'm very intrigued by what could happen with Culver in Memphis.
0: And obviously it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the Grizzlies have really focused on that type of player that like going after Josh Jackson, Justice Winslow, now Jarrett Culver, that that guard slash wing type talent that really could emerge as a highly, as a lengthy defensive upside impact player that could also develop into a two-way player as well. When you look at Culver and just, there's no type, of uh, there's just been no plus offensively there has been a bit of good indication when it comes to his defense but I mean with Culver Rich is there any type of hope for him offensively it seems like that you're getting the same level of brokenness when it comes to his offense that you saw with Justice Winslow last year is there any faith to have the shot facilitation maybe as a cutter anything along those lines
1: I think the biggest difference is just The basketball IQ is so much more in favor of Jared Culver than it ever has been in Justice Winslow, like not to take anything away from Justice, but Jared Culver's basketball IQ is off the charts. That was probably my biggest strength with him. And that's a big reason why draft Twitter loves him. That's a common, that's the trait that draft Twitter will always stand by. If you have a high basketball IQ, there's overall the consensus on draft Twitter is going to be pretty high. And Culver has that. He's a really good cutter. He moves very well defensively. And um, I think he knows how to use that length and athleticism on the offensive end near the rim. So I think there's potential for him on that. I don't know how much of a ball handler he is as an off guard kind of thing. That's what I put next. And I'm reading my scouting report um, now as well with it. And, you know, I have that he could have been an off guard next to Luca Then the ideal Role say he does get rebuilt, is that he's that next to John Morant, where you can play him pretty much guard the wings, guard whoever you need as a three, anyone one to three, he can take given any given possession. And offensively, he just kind of does the dirty work, the cutting, the movement, the off ball screens, he's not afraid to say things like that. And that certainly is something
0: that, you know, you say this high basketball IQ and that that stands out as to why the Grizzlies certainly would want to go after him. And you would also think that bringing him into the fold where you already have players like a Desmond Bain and a Kyle Anderson, especially Kyle Anderson, who seems to kind of have that same general idea about him early in his career. Maybe those those players being in the same culture as as um, a. Culver forgive me I had a a brain lapse there for a second perhaps Culver coming into the equation in a culture that is really done well in breeding development as well as some of the teammates that he'll have maybe that will allow for him to tap into some untapped potential another player the Grizzlies acquired was Sam Merrill a player who kind of profiles similar to the player he was traded for in Grayson Allen. We all know the shooting is there, historically good in college, but an older prospect, probably closer to his prime than many might think, the shooting is there, but is there shooting depth beyond just being a catch-and-shoot open guy? Is there movement shooting? Is there read and react to the defense? Maybe some stuff off the bounce. Does Sam Merrill have enough resourcefulness in his shooting and the ability to add value elsewhere to make his name be something that could be relevant in Memphis?
1: yeah i i don't really know if he ever gets more than a third string guard i do think some of his strengths while you know it's a different being 24 out of college it, it is you are still 24 years old the next oldest player in most games are going to be 22 and there's a big age gap in that and while you know the differences for those who don't know is sam merrill i think he was a uh he went on i, I forget what the proper name is but he he took some time off from school and did a mission Trip out to, um, couldn't tell you where to be 100% honest, but that's why he's two years older because I think he took two years off to do that, which is an absolutely applaudable thing. But on court, it kind of holds him back because, you know, the, a lot of people didn't like Chris Duarte this year because he's 24 years old. But if you look at, if you compare and contrast them, it very much favors Duarte. And if there's a reason why he was a fringe lottery pick and, uh, or, or actually, did he go in the lottery? Did he go to Indiana? He was 13 d d yeah, okay, so he's a lottery pick. My bad. I, I should know this. I uh, I realized Rick Carlisle was making the pick, which makes too much sense for him to have gone anywhere else. But there's a reason. Like, they're much different players. Now, to answer your question as to what kind of shooters they are, I think personally he's going to be coming off of screens off ball. He's purely catch and shoot. I don't know how much he actually will run, pick and roll, and, you know, shoot over the screens, anything like that. But, you know, I, I just – I think he's a third string guy kind of like his best case scenario is probably a Bryn Forbes.
0: And it's funny that you mentioned Brendan Forbes because, you know, I, myself, and a few others, I feel that's the immediate reason why we felt Merrill and two second-round picks came to the Grizzlies because with Brendan Forbes leaving him free agency to go back to the Spurs, I feel that's the role that Grayson Allen is going to feel for the Milwaukee Bucks, maybe even as a starter at times, so it'll be interesting to see, but certainly Merrill's a shooter, and that automatically makes you intriguing in Memphis, so we'll certainly see what occurs? Another name that the Grizzlies acquired, Rich, was is Daniel Oturu. Uh, for a 2020 draft pick. He went uh, number 33 overall, a big man, an undersized big man out of Minnesota, but very productive when it comes to defense and rebounding. The thing about it is this: is that you feel like there's probably some upside there that would interest a team like the Grizzlies. But the issue is there's just no spot to playing time. You've already got Jaron, Stephen Adams, plus Clark, plus Tillman. You just drafted Santi Aldama. You already have Killian Tilly. I mean, there's something that could be intriguing about Oturu. But my bigger question is, what stands out about him that could attract other teams maybe wanting to trade for him as maybe the last one or two guys on their roster?
1: Yeah, so I think I I liked him a lot out of Minnesota. I think what happened in L.A. for him was a pretty bad place for him to even be drafted, a place that was so focused on winning. Couldn't let him make the mistakes outside of the last game when they quite literally wanted him to make every mistake possible against Oklahoma City. And I think he went like five of 20 or five of 25 because they just posted him up, which he's horrible at. So I think he kind of almost got a bad rap for that. He wasn't an NBA ready player year one. He, he did not need to go to a win now team. That was always weird to me. But for him, he's probably best served going for, to the Memphis Hustle. And getting his numbers and figuring out how to just adjust to tempo and doing it night in and night out. Because my favorite stat I had about him pre-draft was, like, I I saw him as the DeAndre Aiden starters kid. He may or may not hit, but he has the tool set, being super mobile, can defend multiple positions, finishes really well, and just produces. So the 20 players to score 20 points a night, 11 rebounds per game, and this is since 2010, it happened nine seasons, it was uh, for nine different times throughout those seasons. It was DeAndre past Pascal Siakam. If you remember these two guys, they did it two years. Uh, Lamine J- uh, John, I think, Deanne, something like that is how you say his name. He was in last year's draft. And then Mike Dom from South Dakota State, Marvin Bagley, Alan Williams, and Daniel O'Toober. So that's a pretty good list of players who just produced, and they were all power forwards or centers in college. And Daniel you know, was the most recent one. So I, I really like – his skill set, and I think he can actually put a lot up in the G League. It just needs to be proven what he does and works on down there will translate to rotation minutes in Memphis. I don't think it would really come this year either
0: we'll see what occurs. Like I said, the Grizzlies do have a bit of a roster crunch, so you would love to have as much talent as possible when it comes to getting, you know, talent down in South Haven, getting talent on Memphis, but at some point you've also got to make decisions. We'll certainly see it. I certainly would think uh, Culver will be in the equation on the roster this year, at least for this year. When it comes to Merrill, Oturu, and others, it'll be interesting to see who makes the cut. But a few other players really did stand out in the Grizzlies Summer League. Some the Grizzlies have put a high preference on Retaining coming up, I'm going to get Rich's opinion on Killian Tilly and a few other front court players that could turn some heads in South Haven. Obviously, it's wonderful that the Grizzlies have so many young options that they could potentially rely on. You know, whether it's less than ideal situations or when they if they expect for some unexpected sources of good play to happen this year. It's never a bad thing when you have plenty of options, but none of them are bad when it comes to choosing them. And that's exactly what describes the different taste choices you have when it comes to Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, a healthy addition to your day that provides you with a boost of energy, but also great taste. Have it in the morning for breakfast, in the afternoon as a snack. Whenever you choose to enjoy it, Built Bar is going to make your day better. And if you go to builtbar.com locked or built.com and you put in the promo code locked15, you'll get 15% off your next order from, uh, from Built Bar. That's built.com slash locked and then put in the promo code built15. You also have over 18 different flavors to choose from that'll make your day better regardless of your decision. Again, go to built.com slash locked and put in the promo code locked15 to get 15% off your next order of Built Bar. August is obviously here, so that means the stretch run of baseball. Some fun potential long term wagers when it comes to NHL and NBA player futures such as the awards and records and things such as that but it also means with August here football both collegiately and professionally is right around the corner and if you enjoy wagering and betting on multiple sports betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest news and odds and info on all your sporting needs including MLB, NBA NFL and UFC MMA action. Don't sit on the sideline anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as team preps for their runs for the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and put in the promo code locked on and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts, visit BetOnline.ag today. So, Rich, last season, obviously, the the thing that stood out about the Grizzlies was just the overall amount of talent that they were able to acquire with not even picking before the 30th pick. Desmond Bain at 30, obviously Xavier Tillman at 35. But another player that I myself was really, really high on, and I know others were as well, especially draft uh, Twitter, was Killian Tilly for his ability to shoot as a big man, but also the IQ to do other things around the court. It seems like he's healthy on a two-way contract. I really think there is some good potential there in Killian Tilly, and I do think Memphis is a great place for him with how they can help to develop s- shooters who have size.
1: Yeah, I liked Killian Tilly a lot, too. He was one of my personal favorites in uh, in 2020. I I think he's going to easily outperform his two-way contract i think a lot of it was health related to why he didn't get even get drafted but you look at what he does he's just so unique he moves well he can run pick and roll almost um kind of the same way toman did in in summer league he's really quick as a roll man really good dribble handoff uh a good defensive footwork i mean he can play make he can just do so much he can shoot you know obviously he's not the flashiest player it's pretty much what all of his weaknesses come down to but i think he's going to outperform that two-way contract
0: so, Rich, obviously, and Tilly stood out in the summer league. You know, the lineup with you know him and John Conchar, as well as um, Desmond Bain. When those four were in the lineup, I would have stacked that Grizzlies lineup against any lineup combination from any other team in the summer league. But another player I'm excited about, obviously, we've talked about him before. His name is Eve Ponds from the University of Tennessee, a guy whose resourcefulness as a shot blocker at his size seems to be very rare. I have not really seen a lot of players who have the resourcefulness in terms of blocking and altering shots that Pons has. But the bigger question for me for him is this. Is there enough offensive upside for him to remain on the court in a league that is trending more towards valuing offense? Can he find the ability as a transition finisher, cutter, and perhaps catch-and-shoot three-point option to where he can at least be viable as some sort of bench player in the NBA in the future?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say no um, because you may never know what guys can improve on, but I, I didn't have him out. I had him outside of my top 60 for this reason. Like the jump shot, it looked nicer in the summer league, but he still really didn't look that good and that confident taking him. Um, he really just felt like he took a couple, but it's not enough of a sample size. I would have liked to see him finish at the rim better. Um, I don't know if it was just point blank misses, whatnot in the games I saw, but I think, I think his best case, like you said, is transition finishing. Like that's, that's really what his role offensively is going to have to be. When, if you decide, hey, we're going to have to play quick when Eve's Ponce is in, that's what you got to do. And he's probably going to play because of that. He'd be a 10 to 15 minutes guy. You can't do that the whole game. And the other
0: player that I wanted to ask about was from Kentucky. I believe he came to Kentucky via Wake Forest. Um, Fellow Frenchman with Killian Tilly is Olivier Saar, who had a great game in the Grizzlies' fifth summer league game. Seems to certainly be a resourceful big. Don't necessarily know if the athleticism is going to be to the level to where he'll ever be a significant player in the NBA. Could have a role in South Haven if he doesn't wind up going elsewhere. But he certainly seems to, in talking with him in the post-game press conference after their last game on Monday, night. He also seems to certainly be someone who gets it. He has good basketball IQ, knowing to do what he can with the tools that he has. Does Olivier Saar stand out to you as potentially being a hidden gem in the Grizzlies development system?
1: Yeah, I think he's going to go to the hustle and probably, you know, put up some nice numbers. The thing for him is, yeah, the athleticism just isn't there. He had an alley-oop where it looked like he skied For his standards and he barely got off the ground. So it'll be a little bit tough. He did offer some passing. Uh, I think it was a couple of games. I can't remember if he did it the whole way or not, but his passing was there at moments and he finished really well at the rim. So if he can make a carving a career carving out doing those things, it is possible he could be a backup. So then I don't want to put you on the spot here, Rich,
0: but I do think that for the Grizzlies in general, this is a year in which you're going to start to st- see some separation between pairings of young stars. And if you have not watched enough of these players, just because obviously I know that you watch a lot of college basketball, you watch a lot of... Watch a lot of NBA, you know, let us know. Obviously, we want to, you know, we trust your opinion from the scouting that you do, but want to give you some pairs of grizzlies and see who you think is the better investment for the future in Memphis.
1: Let's start off with this Desmond
0: Bain or De'Anthony Melton.
1: Whew. Uh, you know, I'm not as high on Melton as everyone else. I'm gonna go with Bain. A fair answer. Xavier Tillman or Brandon Clark. You know, Clark didn't live up to my second year standards, but I, I, I think it's him. I think it's still Brandon Clark by a hair.
0: I know that they're a bit ways, a bit of a ways off in terms of age, but when you look at Zaire Williams and Dylan Brooks, do you feel Zaire Williams because of a better overall player than Dylan Brooks in time?
1: Well, uh, you mean like ever? Uh, it's a higher ceiling, yes, sir. Okay. Um, in theory, the chances the chances of getting there are low. That's my issue. Um, I don't think so. I think Dylan Brooks is actually like one of the most underrated players too. So I, I don't it, think so.
0: Interesting take. <laughs> I'm and sorry. It, it hurt
1: me to say on a Grizzlies it, podcast. It really did. No, but no, definitely he, not he, year he, one. <laughs> Well, correct, but that's kind of the
0: reason why I wanted to ask your trusted opinion in what's an idea of the overall value that Zaire Williams could turn into? What are the chances he reaches a level of a Dylan Brooks? And that that that's a very eye-opening take. When it comes to young bigs that have
1: been taken, Killian Tilly or Santi Aldama? Oh, Tilly. Easily. Easily. You know where I stand on Aldama. And then when it
0: comes to players that could work their way into eventual roles in Memphis, let's look at Jarrett Culver and Sam
1: Merrill. Um, I'm going to... I'm just going to read you Jared Culver's synergy stats, and then I'm probably going to surprise you with my answer. So for the year, this was what he did in Minnesota this year, 30th percentile in spot ups. That was his most common play and transition 13th percentile. This is in order of most common to least common. I'm only going to read four. Uh, It gets really interesting. Pick and roll ball handler, 0th percentile. Offensive rebounds on second chance points or possessions, 8th percentile. Uh, Sam Merrill did not do that, but he also didn't have any sample size. I just I really think Culver has an easier role and will get more chances than Merrill. I'm still going to go with him um, because he can play really good defense. Like he was in the 81st percentile defensively in guarding pick and roll. So there's meaning there's there's value in that.
0: It's funny that you bring it up. I posted on Twitter, um, you know, earlier today uh, a very eye opening stat. If you're ready for this, Richard. So I looked at players. Who were Culver's, Culver's height of 6'6 or taller, that were former first or top ten picks, that in their first two seasons had played two thousand or more minutes, attempted seven hundred overall field goal attempts, two hundred and fifty threes, and had a true shooting percentage of forty seven percent or less. I went that specific on that dive so that we could see for players who just don't have the capability of shooting and really haven't done anything else elsewhere in their game and aren't point guards, what's the likelihood of them sticking? Here's the players that met that criteria. Jarrett Culver, Eddie Griffin, Lonzo Ball, Jarvis Hayes, and Adam Morrison. Now, several of those players are from more than a decade ago, but the point is is that if you come to the NBA and you don't have a shot, but you also don't have any other skill, you're not going to stick, even if your defense is somewhat effective. So I agree with you. There, there. I tried to look at Culver's stats, and there's just not a lot there. I have faith we can work it out to be a more tangible situation for him to stick than a Josh Jackson or a Justice Winslow, but you're starting from scratch with him on offense. There's just not a lot there.
1: Yeah, I, that's not a, that's not a promising list. Juan Ball is promising uh, as a name there, but I, as a, as I, when you said Adam Morrison, I, I'm glad you didn't start with him. That's all I'm going to say about this list.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, th- and that's that's what I'm meaning is that, you know, it's just, you know, it, it it you obviously don't want to write him off, but you typically have to have something to at least go off of in their first two seasons offensively, and if it's not there, the chances are low. Listen, not a lot of exciting names overall on this list that we've talked about today, But the whole key is, in my opinion, and this will be the last thing we'll discuss, is that you have to be impressed with at least the chances the Grizzlies are taking on some of these players, especially with trying to find some hidden gems in the front court. Overall, I would think, despite the guys that they hit on, the Grizzlies at least do have an impressive list of lottery tickets, where maybe one or two could be better than expected moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually disagree. I I love Memphis's summer league roster that they that they fielded and most of the guys that were relevant are going to be getting looks in the hustle or somewhere in within the organization and I'm a big fan of that I mean it goes down all the way down to like Keaton Wallace I really liked him being a local guy in Dallas and I I just I'm a big fan of what y'all have I think it's something that uh I don't know it's gonna be fun to watch the hustle I think they actually are like a top three team to watch this year pre-roster build out
0: Grizzly Bear Blues Brandon Abraham is 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 the uh, hustle correspondent um in Memphis and, and, and outside of Grind City Media does a great job. He's been just absolutely on cloud nine with how excited he's going to be getting to cover the hustle. Obviously this season, but you heard it from the man himself. One of the better. Draft minds one of the best draft minds I've interacted with, one of the better minds I've ever read and followed when it comes to his coverage. His name is Richard Stamen. Richard, obviously, we discussed it before the show started. I know that you are taking a bit of a break, but anything you got started up, maybe for two thousand and twenty-two, or something that the that our listeners can follow with, um, as far as opportunities you may be putting out there soon.
1: Hey, I appreciate the kind words. I'm gonna be doing some more redraft, going back to like bit revisiting some of my older scouting reports starting with 2017 when I started doing this. And uh, that's what I got coming up. I do locked on NBA draft every Tuesday. So got some fun NBA with the draft crossovers. That's probably what I'm doing until like preseason.
0: And, Rich, I would, it would be remiss if I did not bring up with the fact that it's an exciting time here in Memphis. Jalen Duran, as well as Amani Bates' decision on the horizon, but likely coming to Memphis. How excited should Tigers fans be with those players coming into the fold? And a second question is when you compare the two prospects, where does Jalen Duran compare to James Wiseman when they
1: were coming out of high school? So, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, they also have, I, I'm going to botch his name, so forgive me, but Lester. I'm not even going to attempt his last name because I always forget how to say it. But Lester is a winged watch this year at Memphis. I think this is the year he makes that jump towards the NBA draft. Yeah, the roster is really well, well bit built for him. Excuse me. I liked Wiseman. I thought he was a little bit, um, I, I thought he had more do-it-all kind of potential. Duren um, kind of scares me a little bit. I, I think he's a tad overrated. I've seen people put him number one. I'm not there on him. I want to make sure I, I have my doubts, but I want to make sure that, you know, it's not just him being bigger than everybody because he is, even though he was younger in most of the games that he played. But I, I really just want to see how he is against, you know, people his size and what that skill set looks like outside of high school where they're kind of limited. But that being said, I'd be shocked if he's not a top 10 pick. It's certainly going to be a fun
0: overall next 12 months here in Memphis, obviously, with the Tigers bringing in the talent that they are and with the with the plethora of talent the Grizzlies have, seeing who develops, see maybe who does it, and who the Grizzlies eventually part ways with. But all in all, what can it lead to for the Grizzlies? Some unexpected diamonds in the rough obviously maybe a couple of pieces that could be in a trade package for a superstar. We'll eventually see Richard can't thank you enough. As always, I'm going to give you a bit of a break. (laughs) I think this is the fourth or fifth time you've been with us over the past two months, but always welcome. Thank you so much. Look forward to talking with you soon, sir. Thank you very much. His name's Richard Stamen. You can find him at MavsDraft on Twitter. Also, obviously, does a lot of great work on the Magic Strap, but in general, one of the best draft minds out there and also an absolutely wonderful guy. Make sure to follow him and interact with anything that he does. You'll be better off for it. For Richard Stamen, my name's Sean Coleman. Find myself and the show's content at StatsSAC on Twitter. Until next time, we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.